0: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down.
0: Hello, and welcome to Beyond the Noise, the podcast series from PR Week. I'm Frankie Oliver, your host and founder of New Society. And today I'm joined by PR Week editor in chief, Danny Rogers. Hi, Danny. Hi, Frankie. And our special guest, Lisa Merrick Lawless, who's the co founder of Purpose Disruptors. Hi, Lisa. Hi, lovely to be here. Oh, it's great to have you on the show. We've been wanting to have you on the show for for a long time now. So for uh, our listeners, to just remind you of, of what Purpose Disruptors is, if you didn't know, is a fantastic non-profit that launched in 2019 to help the advertising and communications industry transition towards halving emissions by 2030 in line with the Paris Treaty. Lisa herself has... Over 20 years of experience of working in marketing, advertising and communications and has held leadership positions, uh, both client side and agency side, working for brands such as Coca-Cola, Tetley, Strongbow, Unilever, Greenpeace, WWF and Innocent. Um, Lisa... Did delivered a fantastic speech at Cannes last year and we thought it an important time to get her onto the show to learn more about Purpose Disruptors and what its work could also mean for the PR industry and its role in addressing the climate emergency. So Lisa, kicking off, I'll give a little bit of an explanation, but could you tell us a bit about Purpose Disruptors and also the story of how you came to co-found it? Yeah,
2: of course. Thank you, Frankie. Um, so I guess I was busy working in the industry like many of your um, listeners were doing something I've been doing for sort of 20 years. It's a fun, interesting sort of creative industry. And the catalyst really was being asked to work on something that I really didn't want to work on. And I'd had a nagging feeling for a while that this was not <laughs> not the work in the world, Um that I necessarily felt was serving you know, a bigger purpose or, or something that I was sort of drawn towards. And then I think it, it was just from there really, that was a hard no uh, for me. And so I think when one thing closes like that, other things open. And I found that really everything kind of opened up in front of me at the time in 2018 you know, there was rising sort of awareness of the climate crisis, you know, Greta and the student strikes. Um, My own daughter went on her first climate strike. She was about 11. I think it kind of reminded me of um, probably who I was when I was her age, you know, which was somebody who cared a lot about the environment, you know, grew up in the countryside, campaigned for Greenpeace, etc., etc. cetera. Et cetera. Um, and I felt a lot of tension between what I was now doing and, and what was needed in the world. Left my job, did a course called Reclaiming Agency, which is run by my fellow co-founder Jonathan Wise, which was life-changing, went back to Cambridge University, did a course in sustainability. Um, And then the three of us, myself, Jonathan Wise and Rob McFall, who at the time was at Mindshare, um, decided to start a pub night, really just sort of bringing people to the pub to talk about the tension they might be feeling if they work in, you know, advertising and communications, uh, driving consumption, when we know that's making the climate crisis
0: worse. And like... We didn't really have any answers, just questions. Like, what do you do about that? And did you organise yourselves in the pub? I mean, it's quite interesting to sort of, let's all get in the pub and talk about climate change. Like, how did it then go from that to actually being a properly well-funded philanthropic organisation yeah. um, that's obviously well-structured and obviously has a team of eight people now, which is great.
2: All of those, that is true. Well-structured, I would question, potentially. <laughs> um, but let's go, let's go with that for the purpose of this. Um, so... We went from sort of 20 people in a pub in 2018 to like 2,000 people supporting us at COP26 when we uh, launched our Good Life 2030 project. And I think that shows the sort of level of tension in the industry and the appetite for change and the number of people who want to be sort of part of this movement. Um, And it was really us just looking around, wondering who was going to pick up the button and say something or do something. Uh, And it
0: was, yeah, like tumbleweed. It's a very weird experience also working in climate when you look around yourself and you think, surely somebody else is doing this yeah. and there's that phrase isn't there that the, the, the biggest enemy of the climate change is thinking that somebody else is sorting it out Absolutely. and actually then you realize that actually no you do need to step up into this moment yeah. and it's quite a, it's quite an extraordinary feeling that isn't it is it? and that's
2: exactly what we did we had no we run events before we didn't really know what we were doing we had no funding and um, we were all doing other jobs at the same time. Um, but decided that we should run a climate crisis summit. So we uh, booked the Royal Institution (laughs) and we got 100 of the most senior people we could find through our network in a room and talked about the climate emergency. And then from there, really, the plan was to run more climate crisis summits in different agencies. Um, We were asked to do one at WPP. And interestingly, obviously, they paid us for that and we didn't have a bank account because we weren't really a business (laughs) and so um, from there we set up you know as a kind of uh, not-for-profit organization we were very lucky to be approached by a very forward-thinking funder who um, said I see what you're doing and I want to give you some money
0: um, to continue this work. Tremendous. Yeah. So rolling forward then we're here now in 2023 and it looks quite structured. You, you know, you've got sort of five pillars um, of the work that you're doing. Do you think you could just run through what those are? Yeah, of course. Um, so I guess our vision is an advertising industry transformed like
2: in service of a thriving future. So we are working kind of inside the industry, trying to sort of mobilise um, change from the inside. We've got five pillars of work. So one is community. Um, And I guess that sits at the heart of everything we do. We started in a pub. We still run pub nights every month. It's about building a network, connecting people, helping people have difficult conversations around climate um, and building that sort of momentum. So community, uh, leadership. So we run leadership training, both at a sort of individual level through Reclaiming Agency and at an agency level um, through some of the the programs that we um, conduct. And I guess that is really about bringing together leadership teams, you know, around a sort of a a common, you know, challenge um, and looking at how you might sort of think about that differently. Um, We have an education pillar. So that's our Change the Brief Alliance education platform that's been going for uh, three years now, or five of the six big network groups are members, I think there's about 5000 people on it. And that's very much about you know, everything from climate 101 to going deep on everything from food to fashion to energy to transport. So it's a really amazing place to sort of learn the basics of how you communicate um, around sustainability. Measurement is our fourth pillar. So that's our advertised emissions methodology, which is all about sort of responsibility and transparency. So how do we um, measure the kind of full emissions of our work? And then our final pillar is around creativity, and that's our Good Life 2030 project. And that's really all about imagination and futures thinking, looking at visions of the future held by UK citizens and those in the industry.
0: So there's so much in there, so many pieces to unpick, and we'll come and talk about advertised emissions later. It's probably worth just picking out a couple of things there, which is the Good Life Project to really help our listeners understand that, which I think is very much about kind of lifting people's heads to, to sort of, you know, when we talk about climate, people are thinking about doom and gloom and it's all about loss. And actually, if we do what we need to do to address the climate crisis and shift to a, a well-being led economy, for example, we have the opportunity to actually create a much better world. And that's a narrative that isn't necessarily coming through and I think is one that you are very much working with the advertising agency to enable to happen.
2: Yeah, I think exactly that. I think when we we set up this project as we were kind of in the year of sort of COP26 being held in the UK, and our question was really, what's the most helpful thing we can do um, in this moment? And when we were working quite closely with the Race to Zero team at the UNFCCC, and there were lots of goals and science and graphs and projections and all of this kind of stuff. But what we realised was when you think about halving emissions by 2030, like, what is that? Like, what does it look like? What could it be like? Um, and where are the visions of that? They were sort of missing, I think. And so we realised in doing lots of our work, there were either really fantastical visions, like utopia that people don't believe, um, or dystopian visions that people just look away from. So the origins of that project was really... What do UK citizens really dream of when it comes to 2030? Like, what is a good life for them? And so we did some deep research with them to look at what um, they talk about when they think about 2030. And it was really clear, you know, they talk a lot about, you know, dreaming of more connection, more connection to themselves and the things that they love more connection to others, time in community, time with friends and family, and more connection to nature. And so we sort of used those uh, insights, if you like, in working with citizens and created, you know, a whole sort of project uh, around that, which has a really kind of strong creative brief at the heart of it.
1: So Lisa, um, amazingly, we've never met before, but it's lovely, lovely to meet you. So thank you for coming on PR Week's podcast. So, um, Imagine I'm an agency worker in a either a PR agency or an advertising agency. What is it that you would like me to do differently? How how can I act differently through my work to achieve the ends that you think would be would be admirable?
2: Hmm, that's a very good question. Um, I mean, I think for me, it all starts by looking inward. You know, so the question I would you know, ask you is, uh, you know, this is sort of role playing, you sit in an agency, what's in your gift? You know, I think the question we should start with is, where can we start close in? Um, What is it we feel we're called to do? And how do we go about making that happen? And a lot of that is about connecting people with other people who are already doing it. And that's a lot of what we do is, is try and help people understand that they're not alone. And a lot of people are feeling this way um, and are starting by changing, you know, it could be small things close in at work or it could just be opening up conversations. It could be putting climate on the agenda constantly. It could be putting it on the briefs. It could be having open conversations with clients about it. Um, but I think that's where you that's where you start.
1: Obviously, if an agency worker, I mean, their their main impact, I guess, is through the work they create for client companies. So it's the campaigns they produce. So should I, as an agency worker, be giving different advice to the clients on the campaigns they run? Should I be advising clients on getting their company to behave differently? Should my output be different to make a positive impact on on climate change?
2: Mm, Yeah, so probably all of those things. So I think, you know, if you are in an agency kind of right now and you're thinking about um, what you could do, I would say, Part of it is the work, the work that you're creating. So educating yourself through things like, you know, change the brief platform, but also there's courses at Cambridge. There's lots of different resources available now. Um, So educate and upskill yourself so that you understand the fundamental kind of science of the, you know, behind climate change. And you also understand what are useful and not useful kind of frames and messages and narratives and stories around this. So, you know, part of what we do as communicators is understanding, you know, how we can be, you know, most helpful and tell the stories that are going to lead us in the right direction. So I think part of it, as you say, is about the, the work, whether that's, you know, PR and stories or whether that's design, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. I think another part is really understanding that you have agency, Um, So this sort of master-servant relationship with uh, clients is not that helpful um, in kind of moving us forward. And so there's an element of understanding your own kind of power and agency in what you do. So I can say, you know, hand on heart as somebody who was client-side, you know, for 10 years, you know, I paid my agencies to tell me something different I didn't already know um, and to come up with, you know, new ideas to push me to provide thought leadership to bring in kind of new and fresh insights. Um, And so that's in your gift. If you work, you know, within an agency, that's what clients are, are looking, you know, for you to do. And then I think there's the internal question of sort of you know, finding your people like within your agency or within your network group, um, you know, finding a group of people. Sometimes that's formally through a sort of green group or a sustainability group, Uh, you know, a lot more agencies now have head of sustainability, which is excellent progress. Um, But even if your agency doesn't have that, you know, well, come to the pub night, you know, you'll meet other people um, to start with, but also just forming sort of community and, and networks within your agency um, and looking at the things that you can change from where you stand.
1: Brilliant. I think I think what you've uh, said will have a lot of resonance for a lot of um, our listeners. How do you feel you've done so far on some of those metrics? Have you, do you feel you've changed behaviour of agencies so far and, and where do you think you can... Do more.
2: Hmm, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, I think we're I think we're doing well. I think momentum is building within the industry. Um, we're definitely not the only people doing it. I think it's uh, a community of people, you know, doing this this work. And we're definitely, you know, standing on the shoulders. I would say of of people outside of the industry. So, for instance, the Good Life Twenty Thirty project. You know, really the inspiration came from Transition Towns and Rob Hopkins' work. Um, Advertised emissions came from financed emissions. So I don't think we are reinventing the wheel, but what we are doing is bringing it into our industry where it isn't currently. Um, So I think, yeah, I think think it's... We are changing behaviour. We see people making progress, you know, and we're just conveners and facilitators, just to be really clear. You know, we are providing the the spaces the tools the resources the interventions it's really up to the people who get involved in this um to make the change happen you know and there are some phenomenal people um in our industry really really pushing uh, the change so you know they do the hard work um in some ways and so you know you're trying to change the system whilst you're inside it you know and that is hard to do. So it's exhausting work. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, But at the same time, you know, it's also energizing, you know, we're trying to create and build the future in the present. The biggest challenge is probably the speed and scale at which change is required. Like we need a complete paradigm shift. And it can be really frustrating when you see lots of tweaks happening to the existing system, when really what we need is a, a, a total overhaul.
1: Uh, so you were at Cannes last year, Lisa, and I was lucky enough to go to Cannes Lion this year. And there was a definite message at Cannes this year to focus more on campaigns that were about commercial creativity rather than in inverted commerce, commerce purpose campaigns. Um, and yet there seems to me a bit of a tension in that because I think your work, Lisa, is trying to encourage um, agency workers to be more purposeful in everything they do. So I'm just wondering, what do you think, Frankie? Is that is there a tension there?
0: Well, it's interesting. I think the cost of living crisis has had a massive impact on briefs. And if you think about Cannes last year, you know, I was so excited when you came back and Greenpeace had been there and Clean Creators were there and Lisa was on the stage and it felt like we were like, yay, like there's movement happening here. And then the cost of living crisis strikes. purpose briefs aren't coming through. it seems to have died down. Greenpeace didn't turn up and it's and it's now like let's just do commercial briefs and then we're also now in a place where we're questioning whether we should be driving economic growth and all of those sorts of things. so Lisa, it's, it's like I don't envy you. it's a really massive task, this paradigm shift isn't it and and what they are what, what the advertising industry is there to actually do. Mm. I mean that's probably the fundamental
2: question Frankie, at the heart of it isn't it like what what is the purpose of the advertising industry um and i think what we see
1: ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, to get 30, better get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care.
2: is that, you know, advertising, communications, PR, media, we you know, we sit at unique position within the system. So, you know, we're architects of desire, you know, we shape society, we create culture. Um, and to date, really, over the last 100 years, we've created a, a version of a, a good life that's based on more and more consumption, status, wealth, you know, individualism. And, really we can create a different one. And I think we've all got to ask the question about, you know, what is being asked of us? What what are we called to do at this moment in time? And I think it makes me think of the the quote by um, David Graeber, which is, you know, the ultimate hidden truth of the world is that it's something that we make and could just as easily make differently. And so we've got to ask the question, like, who does it serve to keep recreating it in the same mold? Like, who is this actually working for? Because it's definitely not working for future generations. It's definitely not working for the global south. (laughs) It's definitely not working um, for a lot of people. Um, And you mentioned the cost of living crisis, and that's, you know, the intersectionality of, of that and climate, you know, can't be ignored. You know, they're part of the same thing. It's part of the same, you know, structural issues that we're kind of dealing with here. So... You know, I think it's a real misstep for the leaders at CanLion to think that they can just decide uh, that they're a bit like bored of purpose or a bit done with climate. I don't think it felt a bit yeah, like I don't from think, my, I my perspective. Don't think that's going to end well for them, actually. I mean, yes, people are always going to go to Cannes and drink rosé and hang out on yachts and, you know, whatever. Um, but there is a new generation, you know, coming through and there is a massive talent drain from our industry. And that's why people don't want to work, um, in an industry that is, which only, only purpose is to sell people shit they don't need. <laughs> so, um, I think it's a really
0: interesting moment in time. I was just going to add to that as well, thinking about the good life project and also the client base that people, uh, you know, uh, advertising agencies and marketing communications agencies are supporting. I mean, you could arguably say airlines and fossil fuel companies could create a coal campaign around. We're part of the solution and we can make the good life, right? And actually then we get into the quagmire of greenwashing and and so forth. So Lisa, I think the nub of the question here really is what sorts of clients should and, and should we not be working with at this moment in time?
2: Yeah, I mean, that is the million dollar question, isn't it? We get asked that um, by agencies all of the time. Um, and I think it's a common question within the sort of climate transition we're in. People are trying to work it out and trying to feel their way. And we know, for instance, within the music industry, you know, similar questions are being asked. You know, we did some work with um, Brian Eno and, and kind of Earth Percent, you know, and they have a whole collection of musicians, you know, trying to work out, like, do I want my music used for an airline ad, for instance? Um And so they're trying to look at which sectors and brands should they lend their music to. And we're trying to develop something that will help um, our industry sort of untangle that. So off the back of the advertised emissions work, we're developing something called the Advertiser Carbon Index. And that will work a little bit like the Interbrand Top 100 that ranks 100 UK spenders based on strategy and action um, to reducing consumption based emissions. And that's going to launch in Q4 this year, and will enable people to see, uh, look at potential new clients, look at their client portfolio, and work out the kind of red, amber, green um, within that. So yeah, that's that's something we're working towards. So
1: obviously, on a practical level, you know, there's still a lot of big PR agencies who do work for fossil fuel clients, and and those agencies uh, argue that they're working for them because they're helping them transition towards a better future. And those examples include uh, WPP agencies, which works for Shell, um, Edelman, which works for Shell, has worked in Exxon in the past, and there's some debate about whether it still does. But how do, what should workers of those sort of companies do? And should they campaign simply to simply not work for these businesses?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think what WPP and Edelman should do is ask their employees, you know, um, it should be democratic, you know, do the people who are being asked to work on these briefs, who have mortgages to pay, et cetera, et cetera, like do they want to do that work? Um, And that would be a really good first step, I think. Um, I think the other thing to think about is, you know, it's very easy now. There are very clear guidelines around greenwashing um, and around whether, the, both the commitments and the action of a company, whether that's fossil fuel or, or otherwise, are in line with their marketing spend and what they're saying in their communications. So it's very easy to work out whether they are walking the walk or whether it is all actually just talk. And I think decisions can be made you know, quite easily based on that.
0: Yeah. And I think there's a lot of, you know, advertising campaigns, even from banks, not just fossil fuel companies who are now in hot water with the ASA, because they are saying, we are part of the solution. You know, we know with fossil fuel companies, they're spending less than 1% of CapEx on renewable energy. Yeah. So the idea that they are part of the solution is possibly not true. And I think if you're using that as your benchmark around the work you should and shouldn't be doing, that's probably easier to navigate.
1: Yeah, very true. It's just difficult, isn't it? If you're... If you're an agency executive and that's the, the line that your employer is taking, you know, do you how how much of a line in the sand are you prepared to draw?
0: I think it's really hard with big agency groups. I think you know we've seen lots of independent agencies signing the Clean Creatives um manifesto and commitment to not work with fossil fuel companies. But in those big agency groups, I and mean, when we just saw the Shell brief was up for pitch, wasn't it, across lots of media agencies recently. And Duncan measles was out there on LinkedIn saying, do not pitch. Um, and I think as, a, as an individual, it's really hard, isn't it, when you're being expected by your agency bosses and your big potentially corporate owners to respond to that brief, which is to your point, Lisa, about the strength of the employee feeling being really important in this decision-making process. Where if they look back now and they were thinking, well, we're going to take a brief from a tobacco company, Mm. they know what the answer would be. But because there's a grey area right now, they need to really understand the strength of feeling from their employees. Yeah, exactly. I think the tobacco comparison is a really helpful one.
2: Um, You know, you wouldn't be expected in this day and age, to go into an agency and then be put on a tobacco uh, brand without being kind of aware that's what you're going in to do. And I think sometimes people are in agencies and then moved around on different clients. But, you know, I think like we've explored, you know, these agencies need to be asking themselves, you know, what kind of future they want to be part of, you know, and when you start thinking in a more long-term way, um, the question really is about, you know, how do we become good ancestors. Um, and so if I was, you know, a kind of CEO of one of these agencies right now, that's what I would be asking myself. And I think that's probably what their children are asking them over the dinner table.
1: <laughs> so let's... But, but these agency bosses, to be clear, they argue that they're not doing anything wrong, that they are helping Shell transition to renewable energy and that they have to do it by working with them. So I'm not sure it's a black and white decision well, that's for a bit the bosses. Of a,
0: but that's not true, is it? I think that's the problem. They're using that as a narrative. They are masters of their own PR. I mean, effectively, Shell's going to be in court soon. You know, oil companies are in or out of Congress hearings at the moment. You know, the, 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 the facts are there about the misinformation that's definitely happened. And also the fact that most of them are not reaching science-based targets to meet the Paris Treaty. Exactly. So... So that's the problem. Like it doesn't stack up.
2: Yeah, follow the facts, follow the science. Have a look at what Client Earth is saying. Look at the kind of legal systems. Look at what the ASA is saying. You know, and base your judgments on that. I think you're exactly right, Frankie.
1: And and so your your list that you will draw up on, you know, admirable, climate friendly companies to work for. It you say it's not just fossil fuel companies. It also includes what airlines, what other sorts of businesses should. Uh, agency workers be seriously considering working on?
2: I mean, again, it's not like we, the way our approach is not to tell people what to do, just to be really clear. So it won't be a list that says you should and shouldn't do this. Um, What people are asking for is guidance based on the science and based on the facts. And so what we're doing is just pulling together data that's widely available for anyone um, really to look at so that people can make really informed choices based on the facts. Um, And so if you look at the facts and you look at the data, you know, it's really clear that there are some high carbon industries that include fossil fuels, that include airlines, that include meat, um, you know, and others. And you'd have to be I mean, these are smart people who work in our industry. You know, they read the papers, like they know this stuff. Um, and so it will be based on on that, really.
0: So Lisa, um, moving on from that, Really, I think one of the biggest questions that's also going on in a raging debate in the industry right now is all around advertised emissions. Could you could you explain landscape a little bit about what you're hoping to achieve with advertised emissions as part of Scope 3 and what the current debate is about? Mm, Yeah. okay.
2: Um, So advertised emissions is something that we launched um, again at COP26. So a couple of years ago now. And really at the heart of it, it is about choice and responsibility. So how do we as an industry take full responsibility for the emissions that we create? Um, And if we are to take full responsibility for those, what is it that we measure? And so advertised emissions is based on the idea of financed emissions, which has been around for a while in the finance industry. Um, and it offers really an idea and a methodology to help the advertising industry measure and reduce the climate impact resulting from the uplift in sales generated by advertising. Um, So this is different to the operational and production emissions generated by, for instance, you know, um, running a shoot or running a building, uh, which are relatively small. When you think about what you're actually generating in terms of sales and what that's doing in terms of uplift in terms of what's on the poster or what's in the you know ad uh, that's an entirely different you know kind of level of responsibility and so the landmark report calculated that advertising is responsible for 30 an uplift in 32 percent of everyone in the uk's carbon footprint And really, it provides a framework for the industry. So as the architects of desire, we can transition from promoting high carbon brands to low carbon alternatives and accelerate a societal shift towards a sustainable future. Um, It's recognised by the UN, kind of race to zero, um, and is starting to be kind of implemented within kind of agencies and and agency groups. As part of
0: sustainability reporting.
2: Yes, uh so what's interesting is if you do if you do like ESG reporting um and you are looking at kind of your operational footprint and you are an ad agency or a PR agency, um you probably look pretty good on paper because your emissions are like you don't produce anything. We're a service industry, right? So that's not the right thing to measure because that's not at the heart of what we do. Um so that's you know, just measuring your, you know, I don't know, whether you use renewable energy in your office or not, it's not really associated with the industry that we work in that drives consumption. Um, and so that's where we're trying to shift the level of um, responsibility around emissions to to look at kind of um, consumption-related emissions, which, which you know, we have to reduce um, in order to hit the targets. So what's the big debate about? Mm. So the big debate um is interestingly, probably not about the right thing. So the point of advertised emissions is really to open up discussion and debate. So um, the methodology is open, everything is open source. Um, the working groups are compiled of people from across the industry sort of co-creating and co-designing the methodology. Um, it's ne- no methodology is perfect, and this is definitely not perfect um but the challenge uh, that came last week um in an article in campaign was around the methodology and there was a claim in that article um that it is problematic to say that advertising drives consumption um now we have had the most probably the most amount of emails and um, messages uh, we've ever had since we set up three years ago based on on that article. So I'm not sure if that was the intended purpose by the AA and ISBA and the IPA, but that is what's what's happened is people are pretty outraged um, by those claims and have come to us to say, sorry, what? (laughs) We don't drive consumption. That's the entire point of the industry. Um, Now, they do have a point. So within the article, they talk about, you know, switching, obviously, you know, uh, there is an element of switching, and that's not accounted for within the methodology. And that's always, we've always been very open about that. But I think the fact that you have the industry bodies uh, really trying to talk about how you know, advertising doesn't grow consumption and growth when their own work, you know, their kind of ad pays one work talks about how you put one pound in and you get six pounds worth of value out and we drive the economy. Um, so when you look back at their own work, you know, actually, it's very clear, you know, that advertising does drive consumption.
1: But of course, of course, the problem there is that if advertising drives consumption, you and you effectively telling people that they need to reduce consumption, you're pretty much telling them to change career, aren't you?
2: I mean some do yeah some do for some the the cognitive the cognitive dissonance between you know working in this industry and loving creative problem solving and making creative work whilst also holding to be true uh, that if you drive you know endless consumption we already need three planets to live on you know we're kind of all out of resources and so uh, you know there is a mass exodus from our industry I don't think we can ignore that there is a, a huge talent drain for many reasons but this is a really really big one. Um, People are questioning, you know, how they want to use their, their talents. But I think for a lot of people, you know, in the industry, there are also, you know, other sectors, other brands, other clients coming through, you know, there is a big switch towards more, you know, sustainable lifestyles and sustainable brands. And so, you know, people are starting to kind of move towards and
0: wanting to work on that kind of work. And I think it's with that paradigm shift, isn't it? Like, once you've made the decision and you've closed one door, it is totally possible to build a new door right and open a new door to a whole new set of clients um, and uh, potentially a slightly different business model yeah. it's totally possible but again you're just you're trying to push that Berlin Wall over and there's resistance um, and possibly a really faulty argument about what, what advertising actually does which probably has had a few jaws hit the floor I would have thought in the industry so I can't bear it but we've run out of time yeah. because like this conversation is massive and I, there's so much that um, I'm sure that we want to dig into not least you know Really, how PR agencies can respond to this, how they can also look at their own advertised emissions. But I presume your door is open and you're ready to speak to any agency that wants to to speak to you, Lisa. So I th- suppose we'll open that invitation up to the industry. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, advertised emissions is potentially
2: more tricky. At the moment, it's based on paid media, and so that's more difficult um, to measure within PR. I know. Um, you know, Change to Brief Alliance is an open education platform that works for any anybody working in communications. So I would say if people are looking for somewhere to start, you know, a first next step, um, you know, then maybe that's a good place you know to look um if they're looking for you know other people in the industry uh that they want to talk to or network with you know then come along to you know our pub nights and and have a look on the website for All the updates and and resources, which is just purposedisruptors.org.
0: Fantastic. I think that is such an important first step, isn't it? Just get there and get talking um is and, and meet the people that are there already. So um Lisa, thank you so much for making the time to come and talk to us. We'll obviously be following this debate through the industry um and you know, very much encourage everybody within the industry to get involved too. So thank you so much. And to all our listeners, we we hope that you've enjoyed this show and we look forward to you joining us next time. Thank you so much for having me.